Bring the ship up to broadcast depth. We're going in. that time again it is wild hairs time i'm your host odd man and with me as always is my lovely wife ollie hello this week we've got a bunch of stories for you um the very first one though that i wanted to jump into is (sighs) these dumb motherfuckers that think that they're gonna raid area 51 i'm in love with this story you should see, like, the actual picture. Half of it says you should Naruto run towards the gate. I... <laughs> it's just... I think motherfuckers just want to get in there and try and fuck an alien. I think it's more so that they're angry that they're not getting information. There's nothing there anymore. Oh, no, it's all been moved to the other one, what, Area 52? Like, going into a giant empty warehouse. Yep. Stand there and look around like, huh. Well, this was worth the bullets being fired at me. I don't know what they think is going to happen. Like, yeah, they can't take them all down at once, which is the whole point of what they've said. But at the same time, holy crap. I'd like to point out that the military does have um, big weapons that fire a lot of bullets at once. They're not going to fire at that many civilians. I I mean, it's... (laughs) Yeah, and people thought concentration camps would never come back, but here we are. <laughs> God damn. God. Yeah, what they need to do is they just need to try to, to say that the concentration camps are just learning centers, have them sponsored by Sylvan or something like that. You know. Get out. <laughs> that one was bad. <laughs> yeah, well, that one was actually bad. You need to stop with that one. No. <laughs> but the idea that... You know, a bunch of people are going to be able to to raid Area 51 is fucking ridiculous. Two, you're putting it out publicly on Facebook. It's been picked up by news outlets. How far do you fucking think you're going to get? I think at this point it's a joke. Hell, I think it was always a joke. I hope it's a joke, but I know people. There are some idiots out there that are genuinely saving the fucking date. Okay, you know what I think about when I hear this, though? There's got to be one person out there who's, like, in the future, if they do this, how did you lose your grandpa? In the Area 51 war of 2019. 2019's a weird year. If They've all been weird. But can you imagine, like, getting... Let's see, what would you get? What do you mean, what would you get? A membership for life into the uh, alien fan club because your grandfather died in the war. (laughs) The face you have. Because we both have military in our family. We just know. I just just picture a statue of Will Smith from Independence Day. (laughs) The Russian theme song over it or something. Or, or, um, uh, uh, was it Randy Quaid? (laughs) 
<laughs> his fighter pilot character. Oh my god. That's who organized this fucking thing. I can just see a bunch of guys running in screaming, I'm back. Oh god. Anyways, yeah, so I mean. Are you find your long lost dad in the belly of Area 51? Dad? Worse yet, you, you find out that you were actually cloned in a lab and your clone is in there or the original. Yeah, there you go. The original copy's in there, and you're the fucking clone. I didn't need that. Well, you got it. By the way, I have to mention it's funny that I mentioned Russia and we had technical problems. Yeah. Woman claims she no longer needs solid food because she is a breathinarianism. I've heard this story many, many times and she's crazy every time. Oh yeah, I, all I can think of is the the scene from Spongebob where he's like, I don't need it, you know, filter feeding. I need it! Like, I just... So, uh, Audra Bear from Minneapolis claims that her lifelong interest in health, healing, and well-being has led her to the untested and frankly bizarre practices of breathinarianism. Uh, or <sighs> prana. Right. There's a lot to unpack, so where do we start? Uh, prana is supposedly a type of energy when we breathe in. Audra believes we inhale not only oxygen, oxygen, exigen. What the exigen. fuck? What is exigen? Uh, it's the air that fo is foul around your ex. Um, prana is supposedly a type of energy. Uh, it's not only oxygen, but prana. Uh, through this, breathinarian is... Breathinarians claim to get their nutrition from simply breathing in the air rather than eating solid food like, like the rest of us. Y'all know that's not how that works, right? Right. And, and, I mean, honestly, too, think about it. I mean, think about all the shit that's in the air. Like, what else are you getting other than your quote-unquote nutrition? Pollution. Uh, Audra reckons that 40 minutes a day of breathing exercise leave her able to subsist on only tea, smoothies, and juices to live. Well, so that's really what she's doing. Is, is just a juice, juice cleanse. I would imagine that most of the smoothies is high in protein powder and other shit that she's very obviously not getting right. from breathing. I don't... That's it. That's my new theory. The air made me fat. It's not the food that I eat. It's the fucking air made me fat. What? No. I am a breathinarianism, no, and the air has made me fat. You know you're going to see that in a few years, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, forks made me fat. Spoons made me fat. The air made me fat, you know. <laughs> Let's just run. Everything makes me fat, except the food that I eat. The food that I eat is 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 lovely, and it should not be spoken ill of. Y'all ever heard someone in such denial? I am not in a river in Egypt, thank you very much. I, I mean, she's definitely fit and in shape, but I think she's also batshit fucking crazy. She's also got to have at least, like, in her smoothies and stuff, there's got to be, like, nutritional powder and stuff. Because she would have to be wildly malnutritioned. You would think so. I, I mean, this almost makes me want to break out my, my Alex Jones in a box where, you know, the frogs, frogs made me gay thing. It's just, 
it's stupid. Like, who in their right mind is like, yep, no thanks, I'm full. I'm good. Like, Thanks for leaving bacon for the rest of us, but Jesus Christ, eat something. I mean, to the dudes that date her, kudos to you for finding a cheap way to go out. Wow. Would you like to go out to dinner? I'll pay. For myself. Uh, this headline is a, a bit false because um, my ex-wife is alive. Uh, it says the world's first heartless human living without a pulse. So there's this guy named Craig Lewis, and he's 55 years old, and he was experiencing a life-threatening heart disease, uh, amyloidosis, uh, which is a rare disease that occurs when a substance called amyloid builds up in your organs. Amyloid is an abnormal protein that is produced in your bone marrow and can be deposited in any tissue or organ. Uh, luckily, Dr. Billy Cohn and Dr. Bud Frazier, Billy and Bud. Bud, I don't think I could trust doctors named Billy and Bud. What's your doctor's name, Billy? What's your other doctor's name? Bud. Bud. From the Institute came up with the uh, what they call a continuous flow device, which will let blood circulate through his body without a pulse. They detached Mr. Lewis's heart and then connected the device to the patient. Or to, connected the device the patient was up well and speaking with doctors in the same day i don't understand like i'm thinking it's something kind of like uh, a dialysis machine constantly filtering yeah like constantly pushing it okay i that's the only thing that i could think of is is similar to a dialysis machine can you imagine this man not telling you you having a one night stand with him and then you like lay your head on his chest and you realize oh god <laughs> And, like, for a minute, you're like, well, it's a vampire. Yeah. Well, you know, make me immortal. I don't know. This is kind of cool, though. Like, I know normally we, we make fun of stuff, but um, this is actually really cool. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm down with some of the medical advances that get made. Oh, absolutely. We um, always like reading those, though. Like, You know, it, it's crazy, though, to think that we can let a man live without a pulse, but we can't fucking cure cancer. With as much money has been dumped into it, thanks to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Oh, wait, I forgot. Most of that goes to her pocketbook. Um, we can do shit like this, but yet AIDS still exists. Cancer still exists. You know, but this 55-year-old, you know, who's at the twilight of his life anyways. Oh, well, we do have the, um, what is it? I've been seeing, like, commercials and articles about it. There's, like, a cure for HIV. Okay. It's, there's like pills and it goes down to where you can't even detect it in a test. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I forget what it's called. But I know it exists. And if I open my phone, TikTok's going to blare. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Moving on to another story. Man found with 21 severed vaginas in his free freezer appears in court. A man who was, a, who was allegedly found with 21 pieces of female genitalia in his freezer uh, has appeared in court. Uh, he's a 63-year-old Danish man living in South Africa. Uh, he was arrested back in September after 21 mutilated vaginas were allegedly found in his home. The surgical equipment and anesthetic drugs were also said to have been found in the property. It's believed his wife, 28-year-old Anna... 
Matasello uh, told police he drugged her and cut off her private parts while she was incapacitated. Jesus Christ, man. She was due to testify, but was gunned down and killed while what? leaving her house last month. Police believe most of the victims are from the Losetho area. Uh, Fredrickson said to own a gun shop allegedly sedated victims before performing the illegal operations. It is not clear if the severed vaginas were removed when the women were alive, or indeed if they would have survived the attacks. Okay, I... You ever had pussy so good you want to take it home with you? Just just the pussy, put it in a doggy bag and, and take it back? This guy did. There's a joke in here, and I'm trying to find it, and I can't form it. Would it be a kitty bag instead of a doggy bag? No. You know the whole thing, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, the people Dahmer? Mm-hmm. Hot twat serving you up. Like, just, keeping it in the freezer. No, no, like, no, like, I just, I see, like, like, like I know. Cost you an arm and a leg. That tilting a Dahmer, like, I see, like, I you see where I'm going, but I can't find the joke. Went on a date with a 55-year-old man. Cost me a labia and a clit. What clit? He couldn't find it. Well, he took the whole goddamn thing. Right. Jesus. He still doesn't know it's there. Like, I'm a fan of collecting your favorite things, but come on, bro. <laughs> what the fuck like for true crime nerds like us like there, there's something to be said for just subtlety I and mean, it went out the window with this. he didn't like keep the whole body he was like everything is worthless except the pussy do you think that whole freezer smelled like catch of the day oh god can you imagine if it come unplugged once oh uh, oh my god no <laughs> Speaking of bad smells, <laughs> passenger farted so bad during a flight that it caused an emergency landing. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, on a flight to the Netherlands uh, from Dubai, uh, a man, let's see, a man farted so bad that they had to divert the plane. Did you see, like, this was on Twitter? Like, he tweeted about it. Uh-huh. Like, and that's how they caught the story, and the the uh, airline realized what was happening, but I, it was on Twitter, and he was mortified, but at the same time, he was laughing so hard about it. Like, I remember back when I was having gallbladder issues, and, and, and let me preface this first. Like, I know farts smell bad, but nobody would honestly think that a fart could smell so bad that it would clear an entire plane and cause them to have to make an emergency landing. Well, but that sounds like a bad joke. Back when I was having gallbladder issues before I had it removed, my farts w- could almost literally peel paint. Like, you know, I would get gas so bad and, like, I wouldn't have a choice. I'd have to let it out. And it, it smelled horrible still to this day every so often when i uh don't eat the right stuff or um you know the 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 gallbladder not being there anymore presents its own issues when that starts flaring up i get wicked gas Mm -hmm. and i will run people out of a room Uh uh-huh but oh man on an airplane and you gotta imagine too like how bad it is because airplanes use the recirculated air so 
It's not even like, you know, they could vent it. It's just just fart. It's it's fart leftovers. You just keep reheating it and sending it back out. It's like uh, when your kid won't eat something for dinner and you're like, all right, well, you're going to have it for breakfast tomorrow. And just keep sending that fart right back into the, the, the populace. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Yuck. Like, I hope no charges or anything were pressed against him, because, man. What? Biological warfare? I mean, like, if you spit on someone, it's considered a felony assault. So, I mean, how far fetched is it to think that a fart could land you some charges? I mean... And could you imagine having to go to court for that? Yeah, I can imagine the judge right now laughing everyone out of the building. And then the dude lets one slip while in court, and then everyone has to be cleared. Evacuate. That reminds me. Oh, so... um, Oh, no. (laughs) uh, At work, I made a patient laugh so hard he farted. Wow, it's and, not funny. And then there was another patient sitting there, and for the next 20 minutes, we sat there and laughed about the fact that he laughed so hard that he farted. You're just mean. It's stupid shit. I'm not the one that initiated it. I wasn't trying to make him fart. You were too. Uh... Woman makes millions by kidnapping and reselling children on the black market. Despite the heinous and sheer scale of her crimes, Georgia Tan remains a relatively obscure criminal from history. Uh, But don't let her innocent librarian aura fool you. Tan would only read a child a fairy tale if she thought it would lure them into her clutches. Jesus Christ, lady. During the first half of the 20th century, Tan kidnapped thousands of children and sold them on the black market. Starting in 1924, Tan uh, began a kidnapping spree that would span more than two decades. Tan gained fortune through an unlikely source... The Great Depression, which left many families destitute and easy prey for deprived opportunists like Tan. She kept this scheme going up through the end of World War II, aided by all sorts of mind-boggling strokes of fate. There's a video on this website here, um, but the idea that a nurse was able to steal that many children... Okay, it doesn't surprise me, because there's literally a case that... I've been looking into, there was a nurse in the 50s who would steal babies and put them in the adoption, the private adoption sector in the, like the 50s and 60s. Why? Because they would pay her. Oh, they well that makes sense. They never caught her. It's fucking ridiculous. It wasn't until the 70s when like one of the adopted people were looking back through all the records, found it, and she had already been dead for years and she made a lot of money and it's not like she didn't take care of the babies but she stole them from the hospital i mean it's fucking scary to think about but what she would do is she would make like she would tell the parents like the birth mother that like the baby died so she would tell them it was stillborn or whatever because they would be under the drugs were different then. Right. She would make them sign like what she what they thought was like a waiver for like the 
a body to be prepared or whatever. But in reality... It was signing away the rights? Yeah, and she was never notified that she was actually signing her rights over. That's fucking twisted. Yeah. Like, it's a huge case. Like, I have my thing with children, but... But you don't want any harm ever. No. No. You don't like babies... Like, it's not like you want them to die or anything, but you don't like... Babies are fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, I just... I don't understand the the draw that people have to babies. Like, oh my god, it's a baby, it's so cute. No, it's fucking stupid. I wish there was a way that they could come out as toddlers. It's my own personal thing. In my head... I love babies. Babies are tantamount to fish. I love babies. And I think fish as a pet are stupid as well. I love babies. I love fish. Because for the most part, with a baby, you feed it, you change its water, and you try to ensure that the thing doesn't die. That's it. No. There's so much more goes into it. I have no interest in babies. I love babies. Of course you do. You're a female. That doesn't mean anything. Most women like babies. No, most women are the opposite at this point. But I... You know what I like? A 25-year-old college graduate. That's the perfect idea for a kid. Hi. <laughs> a 25-year-old college graduate. Because you've got an education, get the fuck out of my house and start your life. But, like, we've had this talk before. Like, you still can't stand to see, like, that priest that slapped a baby made you so oh, yeah. mad. You can't stand to see a child hurt at all. Baby or not. Nope, I just don't want him around me. But one starts getting in hit around you, and you... Mm-hmm. Like, fucking tigers and lions are, are cool, but I don't want one around me. I do. I've looked into being one of the lion rescues. You would. Well, you get the cubs, and you raise them. And oh, like, you're adorable while you're chewing my leg off. Oh, look, he's hungry. You actually don't. Like, if you've ever, like... It's so cute. If you've ever hungry. looked into it, you realize that if they're raised, they're actually not even that violent. I mean, they're giant fucking house Kitty cats. cats they are. Essentially. You've seen them. They just kind of lay over to the side and want to chew the furniture. Like, honestly, I believe my house cat is more vicious because he's an asshole. He is. We have an asshole cat. He's an ass cat. Uh, man returns to site of 1973 UFO abduction as it gets a historical marker. Uh, we don't. What the fuck? October 11th, 1973 is when Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker arrived at the Sheriff's Department in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Pascagoula! Pascagoula. Are uh, you fucking... They were frantic. They told authorities that they had been abducted by aliens. Each had a puncture wound in one arm. That would be heroin. Um, police tried to, to catch them in a lie, but it didn't work. Both men later passed polygraph, sta- polygraph tests. I mean, which they very much could have been. Who the fuck? Polygraph that? tests have been shown to, yeah. to be less than accurate. You can well, fool them. Because it measures your reaction. Yeah. So, like, this is why in criminal cases you can't trust a polygraph. Because, say, a wife is murdered... They automatically suspect the spouse. Right. But if you put on a polygraph, he's going to have a reaction because his wife was just fucking killed. Well, and two, with the control questions. So, there have been ways that people have said that you can fool them. You can put a thumbtack in your shoe um, and press down on it. Um, You can tighten your asshole. Yeah. um, During the control questions. The ones that you know are true. I just... And then when, when they ask you questions and you want to lie... 
your reaction would be different. So you would show very, very calm during the, the questions that you're lying about, whereas if you press down on the thumbtack on the questions that you're telling the truth about, it would read uh, as just, you're under stress. Okay, here's the thing. How about we just do away with a polygraph test? Like, I get in some cases, like, they're trying to get a reaction out of them when they mention the polygraph test. Like, when you have a suspect and you say, are you willing to take a polygraph? And they say, yeah. Hell nine, yeah, I'm willing to take a polygraph. Nine times out of ten, those people aren't guilty. But there are some that do take polygraphs and pass, and we find out they're the ones that committed the crimes. Well, if you remember, um, so, like, alien uh, aliens are my thing, and UFO abductions are, are kind of my thing. Like, when I was a kid, um, one of my favorite movies to watch over and over and over again was Fire in the Sky. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of uh, Travis Walton and um, all the the stuff that went on with his supposed alien abduction. I believe him. We I gotta talk. About, the truth. We, we gotta talk about Mr. Alien documentary, dude. The um, one that makes the paintings that yeah, we mentioned well, way before. Yeah. Um, oh, we watched but, the documentary. Um, what it ends up coming down to is they they gave all of the the guys a polygraph test. And they all had passed, except for one. And the one that didn't pass was the one that had a criminal background and... Didn't trust cops? Didn't trust cops. So he was under stress the minute he walked into the building. Oh, yeah, you don't trust that. So, but, I mean, they all passed the polygraph. So, I mean, if you're using polygraph as the measuring stick of whether or not someone's telling the truth, then that means Travis Walton uh, was abducted and the rest of the guys saw him be abducted. Look, I, some of the cases of abduction, I believe, like, I don't want to sound entirely crazy, but there's too much to some of these stories that are different than the rest. Like, some people are like, oh, yeah, I was taken up and I was probed and all this. Like, I mean, it's possible, but there are too many, like, coincidences in that. Right. you got to find the ones that have that little bit of weirdness. So, like, you're like, wait, what? And then they're kind of like. A little more believable, but... Well, in 73, Hickson was uh, Parker's foreman at a shipyard. Uh, the two had gone fishing after work and abandoned boat launch and were still there when the sun went down. Uh, he said that, <clears throat> I was just getting ready to get some more bait, Hickson told the Washington Post in 75, when I heard a kind of zipping sound. Oh, I God. looked up and saw a blue flashing light. He was at Kmart. Calvin turned around, too. We saw a 30-foot-long object with a dome on top. As it hovered just above the ground, three small creatures emerged, also hovering. The men were suddenly paralyzed. The creatures grabbed them with pincer-type claws and pulled them toward the object, he said. This sounds like an acid trip. I floated inside, Parker told the Biloxi Sun-Herald in 2018. Hickson said they were subjected to physical uh, examinations... Uh, by something that looked like a big eye, a constant mechanical sound buzzing the whole time. And then they were dropped off right back in the dark delta where they started. Hickson found Parker standing up, arms raised to the sky, and screaming. And then they ran for help. At first, sheriff's investigators thought the men had just been drunk or lying. After interviewing the men, they left the room with with a recorder secretly taping, hoping to catch the pair dropping the act once they left. But they didn't, and they kept on talking about what they had seen and how scared they were. That's when you know. Like, that's when the cops had to realize, like, 
something was wrong here. Well, yeah. I mean, look. There's people out there that say they've been abducted. 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 Abducted or encountered Bigfoot or married Batboy just to get attention. But then there's the ones that, you know, there's... They're terrified and they won't talk of it again. And Or, you know, they will talk about it and their story is consistent throughout the years. I.e. the one that you were just talking about, the Love and Saucers guy. You know, his story... That dude fucked aliens. ...has remained the same. And made a living off of it. For decades. The thing that gave me nightmares was when he talked about, like, walking into the room where there was babies in stasis and there were thousands of babies in stasis. Ah! I mean... And they were hybrids and they were his children. You can believe what you want to believe, but what I'm looking at when I hear stories of, of alien encounters and whatnot, I'm looking for consistency in the story. Because we've all been there. We've all told our fair share of white lies and whatnot. The, the, the best known white lie is, I once caught a fish this big. You know, the first time you hear the story, the fish was, you know, a foot long. And then the next time you hear the story, the fish was like five feet long. And see, I've been consistent because I am, I do love to fish. I love to fish. But the biggest fish I ever caught was literally off of a hot dog. I would have thought I was the biggest fish you ever caught. Biggest piece of trash in the lake. Yep. And she caught me using only a taco. But um bum But no, when it, when it comes to, especially well, from... I quit. The, the stories from, like, decades ago. Um, I'm looking to see if the story has changed any over the course of time. Like, are there inconsistencies? Are there things that have, have been slightly tweaked to make it sound more palatable or profitable or, or whatever? In certain cases, yeah, you can clearly see, oh, well, you know... They were were they were seven feet tall. Oh no no no! They were like eight feet tall. You know, it, it, there's things that change. So, I mean, if if the story has stayed consistent throughout the decades, which this is another one that seems like it has been, you know, you you have to put some validity to it. Like you, so, question answer. Okay, so you know what we've been talking about doing the next episode on, right? Yeah. Okay, after that, can we do a like Men in Black? Probably. Yes. Uh, actually, no. Not God after that. damn it. No, there's something else that I'm Alien. doing after that. No. Fuck. I, I have a map planned out. Anyways, so yeah, um, they, they put up a marker to, to commemorate this alien abduction, which I guess this isn't the first one of its kind. Um, there are historical markers that have been popping up all over the United States for alien abduction sites. And I am assuming that it won't be too long before someone gets the bright idea to, you know, uh, have tours and whatnot. Can you think of it? Peralto Tours, historical UFO uh, abduction sites. Here on Perello Tours, <laughs> I can't even... I can't complete. <laughs> uh, space catapult planned to launch satellites into space by 2020. Fuck rocket fuel. Give me a slingshot. <sighs> California-based startup Spin Launch announced Spin last... Fucking 
hippie-ass millennial fucking names for shit. Announced last week that they had finally secured a launch contract with the U.S. Department of Defense. While technology is advancing, this company plans on using a rather simple launch system, which is based on kinetic energy. Essentially, it would be shooting satellites directly into space using a hypersonic vehicle similar to a catapult. No further details have been released as of yet. It sounds like they're just gonna fucking build a big-ass trebuchet. Yeah. Fuck pumpkin chunkin', we're launching bitches into space. Spin Launch, start, the startup company, was founded in 2014, but has been a well-kept secret for a number of years. They've only well been in the public eye since 2018, cares. spending a total of four years under the radar. That's well, just because they couldn't get the, the catapult to launch high enough. In April last year, the company managed to raise around $40 million in a series uh, of funding from the likes of Airbus Ventures, Google Ventures, and Kleiner Perkins. Launch costs are expected to reach $250,000 each, with up to five launches, or $1.25 million a day. There, has been, uh, there hasn't been any information in regards to the weight limit per launch, if there is one. The company's website details how they're attempting to build the world's lowest-cost space launch system, which would still allow them to take small satellites into low-Earth orbit. They believe that using the kinetic energy system, they would be able to send satellites into orbit without using expensive rockets. I, I still see just a fucking trebuchet just throwing shit into space. Yep. I just... It's like the boys from the Goonies got together and created a, a fucking launch system. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, the the one nerd, the the Asian kid. No, no, I don't watch that. Data, yeah, it was Data. He came up with this, and I bet he thought of it while watching Chunk do the truffle shuffle. Like, look at all that energy that's just being expelled. We could use that somehow. And that's what we got. It isn't a catapult. It isn't a trebuchet. It's fucking Chunk doing the truffle shuffle, getting shit into space. <laughs> so if I went to church, this next story would church totally be me. 74-year-old man got his entire church high on weed cookies. Bravo, sir. Uh, last year, six congregational members at the St. John Apostles Catholic Church in Bloomington indulged in the special cookies. Apparently, cases ranges, ranged from 12 to 70, where many said... Many said the cookies tasted unusually salty. A 74-year-old parishioner, identified only as Mr. Jones is now accused of lacing cookies with THC. Mr. Jones initially admitted to making the cookies, but denied adding illegal substances to them. Police had later obtained a warrant to search his home and found an orange pill bottle containing capsules, which later tested positive for marijuana. So if you want to see Jesus, apparently you have to be higher than hell. But no, this is totally something I would do. You know, fuck it, I'm 74 years old. What's the worst you're going to do to me? Throw me in jail? Shit, I probably only got three years left in life anyways. And it's worth it for the fucking story, in my opinion. But that's just me. 
I don't know what the rest of you will think about this, but uh, I, I, I would totally pull this tri pull this stunt. Uh, this is a feel-good story. This is kind of cute. Um, uh, a duck and a Malmute go on walks together. So we've all seen uh, videos on Facebook and whatnot of, like, interspecies bonds. You, you see dogs playing with deer, um, you know, cats and birds actually getting along, things like that. Well, this unlikely pairing of a 12-year-old Malmute named Max and a 4-year-old duck named Quackers is the latest tale to warm your heart. After losing his friend Sasha, a husky who lived with Max's owners, the Rileys, Max was alone. However, when the Rileys welcomed some newborn ducklings into their lives, Max met Quackers, who had also lost some friends. He was without friends, said Patrick Riley in an interview, uh, and so Max would sit next to his pen all the time, and I think they just kind of bonded that way. After we let them out, they never left each other's side. So what are their favorite ways to pass the time together? Walking side by side through their tiny 25-person town in Stout, Minnesota, and sitting alongside the highway in their favorite patch of grass. They eat together, they drink together, they go for walks down the road together. Everything is together, explains Kristen Riley. Residents now know to look out for the duo, and some have said they hope to catch a glimpse of the unlikely pair while they're out and about. And it's always sure to brighten someone's day. It's kind of cute, though, you know? It's... You, you, you think that, you know, animals wouldn't get along with one another because, especially in this case, like, you're talking predator and prey. You know, granted... I'm sure a Malmute isn't, like, actively looking to eat a duck, but let's be honest, in the, the food chain, the Malmute is on top and the duck is on the bottom. So the fact that these two get along is, is kind of intriguing and cute. Uh, there was an instance of that here in my own house. Um, so we were uh, lizard-sitting. My mother-in-law has a pet bearded dragon. Uh, his name is Augie. And we have a cat whose name is Kitte. Don't ask, it's a long story. And so we were, we were lizard sitting while they had gone out of town. And immediately my cat was enthralled with this bearded dragon. And we couldn't figure out why. We thought, okay, well... Because the cat likes to sit at the, the screen door or the sliding door in my, my place and watch for lizards outside. And we, we figured, okay, you know, he's hunting. He's stalking prey. So when we brought Augie in, we were concerned at Kite's um, obsession with the lizard. And so what ended up happening is we started to see that Augie was interested in the cat as well. To the point where the cat would jump up on the uh, like rolling cart, basically, that we had Augie's cage on, and lay next to the cage, and Augie would get up close to the, the glass and lay against the glass. So they were as close to each other as possible. They would sit there and stare at each other. They would kind of play back and forth with each other. Like, we never let Kite get close enough to physically touch Augie, 
but they definitely seem to either bond or be interested in each other. So I went online and I started looking to see why the hell this is. And apparently, there's something between house cats and bearded dragons specifically that they just dig each other. And I don't understand it, nobody else seems to understand it, but for some reason, bearded dragons and house cats tend to like each other. And it's weird, but it is what it is. So it was kind of cool to see that, you know, the cat, you know, the cat and the dog get along fine. They, they live together. But the fact that the cat was interested in this creature and interested in a friendly way. Because, like, with cats, you know when they're not happy. They're, they'll flick their tail. You know, their hackles on their, their back will go up. You know, and they'll behave like they, they want to attack something. And, th and that wasn't the case. They... Genuinely seem to want to be friends and, and interact with each other. So, this old Malmutant duck thing is, is kind of cute and, and sweet. There's really nothing to make fun of here or to, to joke about, but it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Ah, this is an interesting one. Meet Karen Overhill, the woman who has 17 people living inside her head. In 1988, at the age of 29, a woman known under the pseudonym of Karen Overhill went to, sh to a Chicago therapist in the hopes of finding the source of her lifelong memory lapses. After an examination and several visits, the diagnosis came back. Overhill had a rare mental condition, multiple personality disorder, now called dissociative identity d disorder. Uh... The therapist determined Overhill had 17 distinct personalities. In the decades since her treatment began, Overhill's condition has become well known, uh, a well-known case study. Mental health professionals have maintained that there is a direct correlation between childhood uh, trauma and adult mental illness, citing the example of Overhill. Uh, the doctor concluded Overhill developed her 16 alternate personalities to cope with childhood trauma specifically the sexual assault and torture that she told uh, the, the therapist that she had endured in the 60s when male family members allegedly led a cult. Uh, the therapist employed hypnosis and visual uh, visualization methods to help Overhill integrate, reintegrate her personalities, and in 2017, her released, she released the biography, or he released the biography, Switching Time, a doctor's harrowing story of treating a woman with 17 personalities. Well, it's nice to see that he, he got rich off of it. Um, so, dissociative identity disorder is a very interesting thing to see in person. Um, I have kind of alluded to what my, my job is here and there. I work at a mental health crisis uh, facility, and we see people... Um, from all over the, the spectrum of mental illness. Uh, we also see people that are dealing with addiction and detox. I have seen a couple of, of patients who have had the dissociative identity disorder, and it is very, very weird to see in person. Because say you meet patient A, and they're happy and, and go lucky and jovial and, you know, they, they joke around with you, they talk with you, they, they interact like a, a regular average person. And then, say, 20 minutes later, you see same patient, but now 
you can very clearly see that you're no longer dealing with patient A. You're now dealing with patient like A1. And patient A1 is very dark, very <clears throat> angry, very uh, disillusioned. Um, like their eyes change too. Like I don't mean their eyes change color, <coughs> but you can see someone's personality for the most part through their eyes. They do say the eyes are the gateway to the soul, um, which is cliche if you want to say it that way, but it's true. Like you can see a person's true intention, in my opinion, by looking into their eyes. And where patient A had light and love and happiness in their eyes, patient A1 doesn't. It's like, it's, it's not quite shark eyes, but everything just changes. <coughs> and you talk to them and you talk about the same things that you were talking about uh, 20 minutes ago, and they have no idea what the hell you're talking about, and they have no interest in what you're talking about. You know, say you were talking about movies, and you were talking about Patient A's favorite movie. Patient A1 hates that fucking movie. Hates the movie, wish it was never existed, and they have a completely different taste in, in movies. And, and so on and so forth. And everything changes when you're dealing with different personalities. It, it very much feels like, you know, uh, you're dealing with a quantum leap type situation where you have this vessel, and normally the vessel is okay, but every so often somebody jumps in and starts fucking with shit. So it's, it's really weird to see, and <clears throat> kind of a cool thing to study. So if you're ever bored and you have time in your hands, I, I highly look, recommend looking up um, cases and information on disassociative identity disorder because it is fascinating. And no, I haven't killed my wife. She, she's here. She just had to step away for a minute. Um, did you ever watch that show, Trading Spouses? Um, do you remember the God Warrior lady? Yeah. Um, apparently she's an LGBTQ ally now. Yeah. So, uh, before memes and viral videos were a daily occurrence in our lives, there was the God Warrior. Marguerite Perrin first entered the public conscience uh, when she appeared on Trading Spouses. That's basically wife swap to UK reader or UK people. Uh, a show where two families of different backgrounds or beliefs swap wives or husbands for a week. She famously had one of the biggest meltdowns in reality TV history during the episode, accusing the other family of being dark-sided and proclaiming herself to be a god warrior. Uh, an iconic speech which people still quote to this day. We haven't heard much about Marguerite since her episode aired, but over a decade later, she's been popping up across social media timelines, waving rainbow flags and posing for photos with people celebrating pride. Of all the people to emerge as an LGBTQ ally this year, we never, no one would have ever suspected Marguerite. And, and yeah, there's tons uh, of pictures here. Um, when people question her ally credentials, uh, it fo was followed up with, uh, for everyone asking, she was extremely nice uh, and told us never stop being true to ourselves and never stop screaming. Um, so, I mean, people have change of hearts. Um, so they did bring her back a second time. They, they swapped her again, and she was still a little um, Jesus and Friends heavy, 
But she understood after she saw how she had behaved that she went over the line. So this isn't all the way out of the realm of, you know, believability. Um, but it is interesting to see someone who was like, gays are bad, God is great, you know, I rebuke thee in the name of the Lord, I am a God warrior, blah, 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 turning into someone who is interested in the rights and protection of the LGBTQ community. So I guess it goes to show uh, leopards can change their spots. This one I saw the other day, right before um, Stranger Things 3 dropped, and the, it was the first thing that I thought of. The scientists are hunting for a mirror universe and attempting to open portals into it. Stop! Right now. Stop it. Do you want the Upside Down? Because that's how you get the Upside Down and the Demogorgon. No. Let, let's, let's just not do this. We were talking about this in the... Um, Mandela Effect series, where CERN is messing with shit that they shouldn't be messing with, and it seems like they're not the only ones. Uh, it appears that uh, <coughs> people at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, fucking rednecks, is on the hunt. They are That's on the one hunt. Of the best facilities. I know. On the hunt for a mirror universe and plans on opening portals to it. Why? Why would you want to do this? You have no idea what's on the other side of that fucking portal. Better than Marlene and her sister, Darlene. <laughs> I'm immediately thinking of the, the bit that Henry and they do on the last podcast where I'm nanny. <laughs> Anything to get away from that bit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're attempting to open portals to a parallel universe. Um, uh, let's see. The, do, do, By the do, way, do you know how many times I went back to that episode just for the reason of hearing him? I'm Manny! Yeah. I'm Manny! I'm Manny! So, Leah Broussard, uh, is attempting to open portals to a parallel universe, which she calls Oscillation, which would eventually lead her to Mirror Matter. Uh, to conduct these experiments during the upcoming summer, Broussard will send a beam of subatomic particles down a 50-foot tunnel past a powerful magnet into an impenetrable wall. So what's the point of that? Well, if the setup is just right, some of those particles will transform into mirror image versions of themselves, allowing them to tunnel right through the wall. If it works, this would be the first proof of a mirror universe. The whole experiment will only take around a day, but analyzing the data may take many weeks afterwards. Either way, it won't be long before the results are published. And again, all I'm thinking is Stranger Things and the Upside Down. How do we know that if we do break into a parallel universe, a mirror universe, whatever you want to say, how do we know that they're going to be benevolent? We don't. How do we know that they aren't going to be worse than we are? We don't. Better yet, what if we are the bad universe? What are we? What if we are the bad reality and we go busting a hole in like we're the fucking Kool Aid Man? The AR-15 video. Yeah, and layer. then someone else figures out, oh shit, these fuckers have figured out how to find us. Let's take them out. Like we're messing with shit that we just don't understand, and like I know the only way to get an understanding of it is to mess with it. Um, but what if you're thinking wrongly? What? 
What if we already have tapped into it and they already know that and they just now release that they're doing it the first time? Which would explain why the Mandela effect thing kind of happens. Um, yep. You know. They're trying to release it. They've only just now got the technology to do this. In my head, immediately, I've heard, we've only just begun. Liars. Liars, you've been doing this shit forever. So maybe Nelson Mandela did die in prison, and, you know, they've been fucking around with mirror universes, and they were like, no, no, we don't want that. Let's pull them through. Yeah, who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I I, don't believe this is a good idea. Um, the, the alarmist in me is going, stop! Don't do this! No! Bad! And... The other, the the part of me that just wants to watch the world burn is like, fuck it. Do it. I got the gasoline in the match. Let's go. <coughs> and I do apologize. I've had a cough that I haven't been able to shake. Um, allergies have been kicking my ass the last couple of weeks. So um, I apologize for the cough, but fuck it. You're here. You're listening. If you don't like it, you'll tell me and I'll ignore it anyways. Um... So, the last story that we have here is Tesla's new solar roof will be as cheap as a, as a shingle roof and electric bill. So, according to Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, the company's new solar roof tiles will be affordable to the average homeowner. Musk says that they will be roughly the same cost as a typical shingle roof. As with many of his projects, there have been several delays in the production of the solar rooftops. Initially, when Musk first announced the product in 2017, the company was supposed to start building them the following year in 2018. However, Tesla ran into some roadblocks in the production and delayed the rollout two years in a row. Musk said that the reason for the delays was that he wanted to make sure he brought the best possible product to the market, which is code for shit went sideways and we weren't able to do it like we said we were. I mean, companies have issues to me that's not big of a deal. Well, and solar is still one of those things that's, uh, you know, the tinfoil hat time. Uh, the government is trying to say that it's unattainable and that it's not sustainable and that uh, the military the base here basically only runs off of that. By the yeah. Way. Like, so, so the federal government has is is probably part of those roadblocks. Uh, but the materials and stuff and the construction and making oh, yeah. sure that they withstand complicated. certain things. Like, you know, okay, so here in Arizona putting solar panels on your roof is not that big a deal. We don't really have hailstorms, we don't really have anything. No, we can't have hail if we have a monsoon. We've had it before. Right. But, but it's it's uncommon. For uh, yeah, for like, hail to accompany a monsoon we might get one a year, but it's gonna be like thumbtack size hail. Yeah. The worst not. thing that we have to worry about here is sandstorms and even then you just make them scratch resistant and yeah, you should it's be not okay. Big of a deal here. But then you move into the Midwest and other areas, you know, they're going to have to be able to withstand cold. They're going to have tornadoes. to be able to withstand tornadoes. They're going to have to be able to withstand hail, you know, any number of elements. So I, I can see where there would be problems trying to bring this to the market as quickly as they wanted. But, however, that response that that uh, Elon Musk gave is, is totally uh, shit went sideways. And oh, yeah. <laughs> um. You know, and, and kudos to Elon Musk, too, for keeping the Tesla name uh, alive. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I, for those of you that are science nerds, you guys already know, Tesla was a genius. He was 
practically a magician. I like believe... Like, a real-life magician. I believe that's the point where we figured out the dimensional thing. It could be. Because Tesla, if you go back and look, all the shit he did with the government, like, all the shit that's been, like, buried down, where they've hidden uh-huh. all of his stuff, that man... Well, um, the other thing... He t- knew a lot of shit. He was way ahead of his time and everything. I, I know it's a Hollywood movie. And that they, they sensationalize things for the, the point of putting them on the screen. But the movie The Prestige had a lot to do with Tesla and him creating doubles. He which could. Like, are he technically was... alternate reality versions of a person. So Look, I, I think Tesla was on the path to everything. He, he even... You're a wizard, Nikolai! Even in this day and age, he would be considered generations ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. So back then, he was like, you know. You know one of my favorite things to do? I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. And one of my favorite things to do was to go to the Henry no, Ford Museum. No, I know you. I and knew Greenfield you did Village. This. And in Greenfield Village, they have Edison's lab. Like uh, every piece of it, and it's reconstructed entirely. With it's the a real, beautiful lab. It it's is. a beautiful the exhibit. The real bottles, the real table, set yeah. up the exact way he it's, had it, and it's awesome. It's it awesome is. to go see. But one of my favorite things to do is to go on the tour through Edison's workshop and start asking questions about Tesla. My husband, the asshole, ladies and gentlemen. And I love the tour guide space when I start asking Tesla. Some questions. of them think it's funny. The yeah. others want him to leave. Yeah. Most of the time, they, they wanted me to leave. Every so often, I'd catch one or two tour guides that are uh, that have a good sense of humor about things. And so, yeah, uh, real-life troll, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I like to he go... He genuinely is. I like to go to the Edison Museum and ask questions about Tesla. Good God. But, uh, so keep an eye on this, because, I mean, if there's a way that we can reduce our... Um, utility costs in any way shape or form i'm all for it yeah fuck big energy <laughs> because living where it's literally two days in a row now it's been 107 yeah okay and this is typical weather for us in the summer june and july are this way and august normally is too when you're hot you're hot it is hot in the desert so we have to run ac there is no constantly it, it, it I don't think my AC is set up, shut off since March. It's it's really hot, and in order to survive, you have to have it on. So, luckily, we got onto a program when we moved here that our electric bill is frozen. Yeah. So we're okay, but that shit is expensive. Well, for those of you that live on the East Coast and whatnot, and think you have to deal with you know bad heat and the humidity, and I I do feel your pain because I did grow up in Michigan. I've lived in Kentucky. I've lived in Tennessee. I've lived in Ohio. <laughs> Kentucky, you, you know. said, was like breathing through soup. Yeah, it's like Kentucky breathing through soup. Kentucky was bad, and I grew up there. But living here in the desert, you want to punch your car sometimes because when you go out at you like burn yourself. eight o'clock in the morning, it's already eight o'clock in the morning. 102 at 8 a.m. You go to touch your door handle and you get a third degree burn. You're yeah. just trying to fucking hold on to the steering wheel not to crash into the asshole that's next to you who's also trying to not crash into the asshole next to him, namely me. If you me. live in Arizona, do not get leather seats in your car, especially black leather seats. There's something sickly wrong with you. Make sure your gear shift isn't metal. Which mine is. It is. I make the mistake, too. It's like, I've got working AC <laughs> in my car. 
We but, just roll the windows yeah, I often down. Yeah, roll the windows down. It just feels because, really nice. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to get used to the heat. I don't want to constantly be like in AC and make it where it's unbearable completely to go outside. But I'll forget that the car is made of metal, and like so, I'll do that thing where you put your arm on the the the. the door frame where the windows rolled down and I've watched immediately him jerk his arm back and try to punch the car yeah it's just it's it's not pleasant but it's sunny 90% of the time you can pretty much go out and do whatever you want as long as you can stomach the heat mm-hmm. um, the biggest uh, the biggest trip out after moving to Arizona was realizing that they don't have weather we have a season of weather so we had our, like, for all intents and purposes, we had a very wet winter. It Moist. rained a lot. But that's highly, like, improbable for us normally. But we had snow once. In February. For, for two, two hours, hours. And then it was gone in the next, like, two hours. Like, it was, it didn't stay long, but it was really pretty. Actually, it snowed for about an hour, and then it was gone in an hour. It was really pretty, though. And yeah, because it, it was those, it was like those Hollywood s- snowflakes. Like where they the, look fake. It was really yeah. pretty. It was like someone was dumping uh, shredded, uh, dehydrated potato flakes. Yeah, like at the same time that it was like mixed with like the suds from washing powder, like yeah. that trick. Like they they were literally quarter size snowflakes. The flakes was thick. They were huge. But other than that, the only thing we have is monsoon season. Yeah. In the middle of the summer, it'll harden downpour. For like 10 minutes. Like the hardest rain you've ever had. Like it's crazy out here. It will rain super hard for 10 minutes, but you'll get like three hours worth of rain in that 10 minutes. It is crazy. And it will, we have washes here, which are like. Imagine a ditch or something. But a dry river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a wash is a dry river. Yeah, but in that amount of time for those, they fill up so fast, and they will sweep your cars off the road like you live by the ocean. Yeah, there are literally areas where it says, uh, do not enter when flooded, because you will not get through. You, you just won't be able to. Uh, luckily, we live in an area where you don't have to worry about it so much, especially me going back and forth to work every day. But, I mean, there are definitely areas where you, you need to be cautious of the weather because your house will flood, your your animals will get swept away if they're mm-hmm. outside, you know. Not to mention the javelinas and the different animals that come down off the mountain to eat your animals anyway. Yeah, you won't need a paper boat or a red balloon to wash Georgie into the fucking sewer. It'll just happen. Yeah, it's crazy, but like, other than that... I've bored her. She's yawning. (laughs) I can't help it. I yawn a lot. Um, But it's... There's no weather pattern. Yeah, it's It's just just 107 degrees. It's hot! What was it last year? It was 115? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't move. <laughs> uh, my mother asked me what it's like here in Arizona, and I said, the only way that I could describe it is like turn your oven on to about four hundred degrees, open the fucking door, and stick your head close to it and try to breathe. That's what it's like being in the desert. Sometimes. Yeah, imagine being put in like an empty tin can on the gas stove and just turn it on. Yeah. 
it's it's hot. Imagine not being able to touch anything for fear you'll burn. And you know what? You know uh, that that old adage and cliche that everybody says. But it's a dry heat. They're right. It is a dry heat. But uh, hot some, is fucking hot. Sometimes it is a dry heat. Sometimes it isn't. We've had humidity here, and it is. <sighs> yeah, a hundred and seven with even twenty percent humidity. Oh my god! It's you fucking terrible. You can't breathe. I think that's the biggest problem I have at work too. Is I think it's very humid in oh, yeah. there. Because it feels like it's 85, 90 degrees all day long. Yeah. You know, I literally am dripping sweat most of the day doing my job, and I'm, I'm constantly stopping to have to, to wipe. If you haven't sure. wondered, you know, my husband is a stripper, so... <laughs> Donate $10 and I'll take it off. Donate $20 and I'll put it back on. Give me $100 to leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of Wild Hairs. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you to my lovely wife for, for sitting through my nonsense. Uh-huh. And, uh, as you always, don't thank me any other day. Uh, I'm, this trying to, is, I'm trying to look good for my internet friends. Okay, the only difference between this and a normal conversation is this is being recorded. <laughs> by us. Yeah. Because <laughs> let's be honest, with the shit we've said and the shit that mom's boyfriend has said, Yeah. holy God, I'm surprised. But, anyways, as always, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. Um, if you do enjoy what we do, please, by all means, share it with friends, uh, coworkers, uh, other people who are off their fucking rocker, and uh, uh, help us spread the, the word of what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to be entertaining. We're trying to have a good time, and, and we hope that translates well to the audience. And, uh, as always, uh, remember to adjust to your ears.